text for this morning's sermon is Psalm 23, and focus especially on verses 5 and 6. David writes, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, tomorrow is Thanksgiving Day. Many in our society will celebrate this day. They'll get together with family and friends for dinner and good times. Most will reflect at least briefly on the things for which they are thankful. There's one thing that many in our society will neglect in their Thanksgiving celebrations. While expressing the things they are thankful for, They'll neglect to say to whom they are thankful. When Thanksgiving Day was first celebrated in North America, the settlers to this new continent gave thanks to God. Although they may not have had much, they saw their blessings as coming from the hand of the Lord. Thanksgiving Day has been officially celebrated as an annual holiday in Canada since 1879 when Parliament designated a National Day of Thanksgiving. At that time, the date was not yet set. In 1957, the Governor-General issued a proclamation stating, A day of general thanksgiving to Almighty God for the bountiful harvest with which Canada has been blessed to be observed on the second Monday in October. At that time, there was still a public recognition that Thanksgiving Day was about thanking God for his blessings. Many today no longer make that connection between Thanksgiving and God. And that should not surprise us. In Romans 1.21, Paul describes the pagan society in which he lived. He said, for although they knew God, They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. In 2 Timothy 3 verse 2, Paul says that in the last days, people will be ungrateful. If God is not part of your life, you have no one to be thankful to. And if you have no one to thank then there's no sense in giving thanks. Then Thanksgiving celebrations become another empty ritual devoid of real meaning. Yet, beloved, we do know God, and he is part of our lives. It's only in him that we live and move and have our being. We recognize that God is good, that he grants so many good gifts to his children, Despite a shortage of rain, God has still blessed our crops and gardens. Despite health restrictions, God has provided employment and sufficient work. By such means, the Lord has cared for us, providing us with food and shelter and all our needs. So today we may pause. We may reflect on his goodness and grace toward us. 
This morning we'll do that by examining the last verses of Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is a psalm that is dear to our hearts. It speaks about the Lord being our shepherd who provides for us and cares for us. It's a psalm we often read when we go through struggles and hardships. It's a passage we turn to when we are confronted with death. But the psalm also uses a second image to teach us about God. Here the Lord is pictured as an eastern host, showing hospitality by welcoming guests into his home and caring for them. We're going to focus on that to help us direct our thanksgiving to God, the source of all our blessings. I preach to you God's word under the following theme. As host, the Lord provides a bountiful feast for his people. We'll see how the Lord provides our needs, how the Lord protects us from our enemies, and how the Lord prepares us to dwell with him forever. There are both similarities and differences between the images of God used in Psalm 23. There are strong parallels between how a shepherd cares for his sheep and how a host provides hospitality for his guests. But there's also a difference. When using the shepherd image, we as God's people are compared to sheep. When using the host image, the host-guest relationship is person to person. This image of God's care for us is thus more personal, more intimate. It speaks about the close relationship that we may have with the Lord our God. Psalm 23 begins with David stating, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David was the youngest son of his father Jesse. From the time he was a boy, he was entrusted with the care of his father's sheep. Sheep are needy animals that need tender, loving care. David provided that. He learned that just as his sheep depended on him for their needs, so he could rely on the Lord as his shepherd. Under the Lord's care, he would not suffer want. David explains the way in which the Lord provides for him. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Lying down refers to rest. When we're tired, when we're weary, the Lord provides us with rest. As the Good Shepherd, this is precisely what Jesus promised his followers. He said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. David goes on to speak about how the Lord restores his soul. When life's troubles and sorrows weigh us down, God promises rest and hope in him. As a shepherd, God also provides David with food and water. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Green pastures mean lots of food. Quiet waters are a place where sheep can drink without danger. In the wilderness, green pastures are few and far between. But a good shepherd leads his flock to a pasture where there's enough food that they are satisfied, 
where they can lie down because they no longer have a need to forage for food. In the same way in our text, David speaks about the Lord's provision as a host. David says of the Lord, you prepare a table for me. Preparing a table is an image of welcoming someone into your home and of sharing a meal with them. It's an image that applies across all cultures. There is something special about having people over for dinner. You share your food with them, and in doing so, you enjoy fellowship together. Normally, we do that with family and friends. Whenever you share a meal with others, it's a sign of welcoming them, of accepting them. We need to understand that breaking bread together is a much bigger deal in biblical times than it is today. In the ancient Near East, hospitality was considered a sacred duty. In those days, they didn't have big hotel chains or Airbnbs. Travelers depended on common, everyday folk to welcome them into their homes and provide food and lodging for them. As an example of this, Think of what Abraham did for the three visitors in Genesis 18. He washed their feet, had Sarah bake bread, slaughtered a tender calf, took butter and milk and other food that was prepared, and he set it before them. No expense or labor was too great for the visiting traveler. In our text, David speaks about the abundant provision the Lord made for him. He not only provided him with food to eat. David says, you anoint my head with oil. The Israelites lived in a land that was generally dry and sun-baked. Travelers got hot, their skin dried out. If a host really wanted to show care for someone visiting him, he would pour some scented olive oil on his visitor's head to provide refreshment. 2 Samuel 14, verse 2, and Psalm 104, verse 15 show, oil was used more generally on a person's head and face as a sign of joy on festive occasions. As oil was costly, providing such refreshment was a sign of generosity and care. David speaks further of the Lord's provision and care for him. He says, my cup overflows. The point here is not that the host is clumsy and fills the cup too full so it spills on his guest. Instead, the image of an overflowing cup is that the host provides so abundantly that his guest is satisfied. Considering the dryness of Israel, the host would have provided refreshing water. But when serving a meal, he would also have poured his guest a cup of wine. In the Bible, wine is a symbol of joy. The host went out of his way to provide his guests with a sumptuous meal with the best food and drink he had available. So what does our text teach us about the Lord's provision for us? We have a God who loves to give good gifts to his children Our Heavenly Father delights in providing our daily needs. During this past year, Manitoba has endured drought. Yet it's amazing 
the effect that late rains had on some of the crops. They turned out far better than expected. COVID-19 has had a major impact on our economy. Some businesses have experienced major slowdowns or even closures. And yet during all of this, God has still provided employment and sufficient work. Thanksgiving Day is a day on which we give thanks to God for his blessings over us in this past year. We thank the Lord for his material care over us, for providing all our physical needs. It is true that some have received more than others, but God has granted each one of us the necessities of life. He's provided us with food for our nourishment, with clothes to wear, with a roof over our heads, with transport to be able to get where we need to go. These are common material needs in our society. But they do not come by chance. They're gifts from the hand of God. And so, we give thanks to Him. We thank God for the health and strength He gives us. At times we do not appreciate the gift of good health until we're sick. What we need to realize is that it is the Lord who grants us the ability to do our daily tasks. Often we like to take ownership over the things that we have. We feel like we've earned them. But the reality is, is that if God had not given health and strength to do our work, we would not own anything. And so we thank God for health and strength and the ability to do our daily work. Beloved, we thank God for life. He made us and formed us. It's only in Him that we live and move and have our being. Only in Him can we run and play and learn. Only in Him can we eat and sleep and work. Only in Him do we have the ability to think and reason, to enjoy and to love. God is the author of life. We thank him for this wonderful gift. Beloved, do you thank God for your blessings? When he gives you the means to buy a house or purchase a car? You thank him for the job you have and the work he sends your way? Do you thank him for the healthy grants for the ability to tend to your daily tasks? How about the things we often consider mundane? Do you thank God for the food and drink he gives you at lunch? Do you recognize God's hand at work in the little things of life? There are times when we may feel ungrateful in our materialistic age, we so often want more and more. When we see the abundant blessings that God gives to others around us, it can be hard for us to live contented lives. The grass often seems greener on the other side of the fence. But beloved, instead of looking at our neighbor, let's look to the Lord. Let's take stock of the rich blessings he provides for us. And then let us praise and worship God for his wonderful provision 
for all our needs. Brings us to our second point, how the Lord protects us from all our enemies. David uses both the images of the Lord being our shepherd and our host to convey how he protects us from our enemies. As shepherd, David was familiar with predatory animals that attacked the sheep. When speaking to Saul about fighting against Goliath, David said that he had struck down both lions and bears to protect his sheep. David trusts the Lord will do the same for him. He confesses, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. For David, this was no idle boast. He had experienced God's gracious protection in his life. While he served at the palace, Saul had twice tried to kill him by throwing a spear at him. Later, he had sent men to his house to capture him. For years, Saul and his armies pursued David and hounded him. Saul was jealous because he knew the Lord had anointed David king. He chased him from the desert to the mountains to the caves, at times even into Philistine territory. And yet through all these trials, God preserved David's life. David truly did walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He suffered great struggles and sorrows in his life. The Philistines killed his best friend, Jonathan. He lost the child he had with Bathsheba. His favorite son, Absalom, led a rebellion to try to take the throne from David. David had to run for his life. When Absalom was killed, David mourned deeply. He cried out, Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom. Would that I had died instead of you, O Absalom, my son, my son. Life for David was filled with many crises and losses. He lived a difficult life. But through it all, David knew the Lord was with him. David's confession, you are with me, stands at the center of Psalm 23. This Hebrew phrase has 26 Hebrew words before it and 26 after it. Interestingly, the numerical value of the name Yahweh, the Hebrew name for the Lord, the numerical value is 26 as well. And Psalm 23 begins and ends with a confession about the Lord. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. Verse 6, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We see David confesses that Yahweh his faithful covenant God was with him always. Also when faced with enemies and troubles and sorrows. Comes through also in our text where David confesses, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. There's something important we need to understand about the responsibility of the host in the ancient Near East. His task was not just to provide his guests with food and lodging. It was his sacred duty to provide protection 
while they were under his roof. If as a host you welcomed your enemies into your tent, you're responsible to keep them safe from harm and danger during their stay with you. A good example of this is seen in the story of the angels visiting Lot in Sodom. The men of Sodom wanted to harm these men. They demanded that Lot turn them over to them. There's a part of this story that we find very difficult to understand. Lot offers to give up his two daughters for the men of his town to abuse instead of the guests under his roof. He says, do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. I don't know a single father that would willingly offer up his daughters in that manner. But chose the solemn duty a host had to protect those who came under the shelter of his roof. David was well aware of the customs and traditions of his day. He speaks of how the Lord prepares a table for him in the presence of his enemies. David's enemies were real. But he knew himself to be safe under the shelter of God's wings. He trusted the Lord would protect him and would preserve his life. What he is saying is that since the Lord is with him, he feels safe. He feels secure under God's gracious care. Psalm 23 finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. He is the good shepherd of his flock. In John 10, Jesus contrasts himself with a hired hand who runs away when he sees a wolf coming. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. By laying down his life for us, Jesus gives us security against all our enemies. Listen to the promise Jesus made to his sheep who hear his voice and who follow him. He said, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. Beloved, do you feel safe and secure in the Lord's care? Do you trust that when you pass through the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord is with you? We are constantly under attack from our sworn enemies, the devil, this world, and our own sinful flesh. If we had to make it through life on our own, we'd be lost. You remember how Lot offered his daughters to protect the men who came to shelter under his roof? Well, God gave up his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. In Luke 12, 32, Jesus said, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The Lord will protect us. He will preserve us against all enemies. Brings us to our final point, how the Lord prepares us to dwell with him forever. So one final aspect about the Lord preparing a table for us that we need to consider. It's not just about providing food and drink to a weary traveler. 
It's not just about assuring him that he's safe in your tent. There is something special about sitting down to a meal together. Eating together breaks down barriers. It allows one to share fellowship. It's around the table that close bonds of friendship are developed. The fact that God invites us to share at his table is a sign that he desires communion with us. In Israel, the Lord instituted various annual harvest festivals. Every male in Israel was expected to attend them, and wherever possible, they took their families. God instituted these feasts to give his people opportunity to celebrate their redemption from Egypt and to give thanks for his bountiful provision for them. At these feasts, the Israelites offered sacrifices to God, and they were allowed to partake in a fellowship meal with him and each other. It's in these times that God's people experienced the blessedness of belonging to God, of sharing in his goodness and grace. David expresses that in our text. He writes, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In the ancient Near East, it was customary for guests to stay a maximum of three days. After that, guests were expected to make an excuse and leave. But beloved, that's different with God. When the Lord is our host, we're invited to stay not just three days, but all the days of our lives. David speaks of dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. Now, obviously, David did not physically spend his whole life in the house of the Lord. He was Israel's king. It was his responsibility to protect his people from their enemies and to rule justly over the land. Yet the expression, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, speaks about more than where David is physically present. The point he is making is that he expects to have fellowship with God throughout his whole life. In some ways, beloved, we could compare the image of the Lord being a host who prepares a table for us with what happens when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. It's a meal at which the Lord Jesus is host. He welcomes us to partake of his body and blood, to share in the blessings of salvation. The Lord's Supper is a meal of remembrance in which we are grateful for our Savior's redeeming work. It is a meal of communion in which we enjoy fellowship with God and with each other. The Lord's Supper is also a meal of expectation. Before Jesus left his disciples to go up into heaven, he said, Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. In Revelation 19, the Lord Jesus promised us that we would be allowed to share in the marriage feast of the Lamb. We look forward to the Lord spreading a table before us, to sharing in his goodness and grace forevermore. Isaiah gave a picture of what this will be like. 
He speaks of how the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine. Note how this feast is prepared for all peoples. Not just for the Jews, God's people of the Old Covenant, but also for the church of all ages, made up of people from all tribes and nations. The Lord will provide a sumptuous banquet feast of the best food and wine imaginable. In Matthew 8, 11, Jesus promised that many will come from east and west and recline at table to enjoy a meal with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. It's a picture of the joyous fellowship we will experience with the Lord and with all his people. Isaiah 25 speaks about how the Lord will swallow up the covering, the veil, hanging over all peoples. It's a reference to the veil of death, resulting from God's curse on mankind's sin. Isaiah prophesies, He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of His people He will take away from all the earth. The people's response will be, Behold, This is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. You see, beloved, the comfort of Psalm 23 is not just that as host, the Lord prepares a table for us now. God's care and provision is not just to meet our temporal needs. David ends Psalm 23 with a confident claim, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We confess that we belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. When we celebrate Thanksgiving, we tend to focus on the bountiful way the Lord prepares for our, the Lord provides for our material needs. But God's provision of food and drink, of shelter and clothing, is a symbol of His everlasting love for us. May our celebrations draw us into closer fellowship with God. May we take time to express our gratitude for His goodness and grace toward us. May we look forward to the eternal blessedness God has promised. Not only is God with us in this life, we will dwell with him forevermore. Amen. Let's respond to the gospel message by rising and singing from Psalm 65, stanzas 3 and 6.